Hello and welcome back to the Bi-Week Podcast. NFL season is about to be here and me, Blake, Quinn, and Cole are very excited. Today we're going to be talking about some fantasy football draft strategies. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some some people on the waiver wire. You know, the first few weeks of the NFL season is the most important for the waiver wire. That's where you can find those guys that kind of make or break your season and end up being deep sleepers that win you your leagues. We're going to try to predict those before, before the season even starts. So we're going to give you a few guys that you should think about picking up, especially if they have a good week one. Then after that, we're going to look at college football a little bit, give a little recap of week one, some teams we think did really well, just some overall reactions, you know. And after that, we're going to do a quick record prediction of NFL week one. How's that sound? Okay, let's start with some fantasy football draft strategies. A lot of people just had their drafts. Let's talk about it. What strategies did you guys try to implement in some of your drafts? Well, going into this draft, uh, I, I was very dependent upon you know where I was going to pick in the draft. We don't know who, where we pick in the draft until the hour before. And I happened to get the second pick. With that, I went with Jamar Chase. So from there, I decided, all right, I think I'm going to go zero RB strategy. And I used that to the best of my potential where I loaded up on all positions except for running back. So my receivers include Jamar Chase, DK Metcalf, and Jalen Waddle, all of whom could be legitimate wide receiver ones on many teams. But I have you know Jalen Waddle as a flex. And then I picked up TJ Hawkinson, who is probably going to be a top three tight end this year in fantasy. And then I've, my biggest thing was that I got Joe Burrow. And I stacked him with Jamar Chase on my team. That has insanely high upside. Quinn knows that because he had the stack last year. And then from there, what I started doing was I took a bunch of running backs and I made sure to get lots of guys with high upside. So that included Javante Williams, Zach Charbonnet. And then I like to get some guys who are, you know, more reliable, will always get you, you know, 12, 13 points. That includes Dalvin Cook and Brian Robinson. And then... Uh, after that, I filled out the rest of my team. I that included some guys like Darnell Mooney, who I got later, Dalton Schultz as a backup tight end. And so I went with the zero RB strategy, making sure to put emphasis on loading up my team and taking high upside running backs. I somewhat used a similar strategy going into all my drafts. I was in five drafts this year. I I'm usually a fan of running backs early. I think. There's a big running back dead zone. If you don't, you know, push for running backs in the beginning, then you can be you can end up with some weak running backs. But this year, especially, I think there's a smaller running back dead zone and less and less capable receivers. Usually there's there's like a hundred receivers that anybody could use, but this year I felt like there was more running backs and less receivers that were good. And so I started to my first few rounds in almost all my drafts, I looked to push receivers first because I thought there was good value in kind of the third and fourth round with running backs. And that's why I implemented it in this in our main league. I went receiver early with both picks. I went Tyree Kill at four. We come back around. I took Chris Olave. And I was perfectly fine doing that because I knew in the third and fourth round there was going to be running backs available like ETN, Aaron Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, Brees Hall. Very capable running backs people could still use. I ended up getting Aaron Jones. And then background, I got James Conner, which is perfect for me. So unlike other years, I think the, the strategy this year was to go wide receiver early. Yeah, kind of similar to Blake. I value running backs early. Um, so in our main league that we're in together, I went. I actually went receiver first, but you know I had the eighth pick, so that was kind of a rough spot in order to take a running back. I mean, Bijan was there. Um, it was actually kind of a diff difficult spot for me because 
you know, that's where a guy like Cooper Cup um, was falling to. Obviously, there was an update in his injury today that um, made that, you know, made me glad that I didn't select him. Yeah. And then I'm, you know, I'm a little iffy on Bijan as a rookie running back. So um, that's why I didn't take him. So I ended up with Devontae Adams, knowing that I could get a guy like Tony Pollard or Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb. Someone would fall to me. Um, in the second round where Tony Pollard did. Um, and then even in the third round, I drafted Najee Harris, who last year was a was a first-round draft pick. And then, you know, obviously last year wasn't his best, so his ADP is a lot lower. But I think mm-hmm. he can return to his uh, rookie year form. So I think that was a great pick in the third. And then I was, e- I was even able to get a solid wide receiver two and Amari Cooper, who's a wide receiver one on the Browns. Um, so it ended up working out for me. I'm I'm really a fan of getting, you know, your RB one and your wide receiver one in the in the first and second rounds. You know, you can kind of flip flop that order. It really just depends on your pick. Like I had the 12th pick in a in another draft, and I ended up going um, running back receiver. I think, but you know, being able to stack two picks up together is actually really nice. Yeah, it's like yeah, my first two rounds I'm looking for receiver and receiver, and then my third and fourth round I'm looking for running back, running back. And once I hit that fifth round, I'm kind of looking at best available. Yeah, I like to put exactly. receiver at my flex. If there's a good receiver that falls to me, I'm going to take him. But I'm not going to reach on someone that's not that good. If I see a top-tier tight end in, in that fifth round, like a Waller, or I see a top-tier uh, quarterback like a Herbert or a Lawrence even, I'm going to take them. It just all depends. After those first four rounds, which I kind of have set down as kind of what I want, what position, those five and six are important, and I kind of just go best available depending on what happens. I could take my receiver at flex. Or I can go tight end, or I can go quarterback. It just kind of depends on what I'm looking at. Yeah, I feel like this year I didn't see as much of the strategy of you know doubling up on running backs early because that's really what like is the. It traditional used to be strategy. always like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's always been mine. Usually, is I go receive or running back, running back, and then fill out the rest of the team from there. But this year, as you guys brought up, just the wide receiver, like you know, we normally say the running back dead zone. This year was really the wide receiver dead zone. Like you want to load up on your receivers, make sure you have a really good core there. And then, you know, there's a lot of high upside running backs that were available in the, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounds. And so I think that's a strategy that not just, you know, the three of us, because we all went wide receiver with our first picks, mm-hmm. but a lot of people seem to use this year as opposed to, you know, the smaller amount that normally choose a receiver before a running back. Yeah, yeah I also I feel think- like, yeah, go ahead, Quinn. Yeah, I think there's like a very thin amount of really good running backs this year. Like I think there's about 10 or 12, which is why I've been trying to get my 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 RB1 and my RB2 in the first 3 rounds. And I think there's so much depth receiver-wise. Like being able to get Amari Cooper for me in the 4th round was really really nice. Um there's also guys like DK Metcalf that you can get in the 3rd um or even in depending on your league maybe even in the 4th. Um, and then there's guys like Jerry Judy falling all the way down to the to the sixth round, even though he's going to be injured for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, even he's a really he, yeah, yeah yeah he's a, he's a wide receiver one on the Broncos. So there's I think there's this um, there's a lot of variability with with good receivers and where they're going, and there's a lot of upside. There's a lot more upside with receivers than there is with running backs. I think this year. Yeah, I think like like you said, there's not that many top tier running backs this year. Which is it just confusing me because I feel like this year especially there's not that big of a discrepancy between like the 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 top running backs are not that much better than the other running backs especially because 
a lot of the running back, a lot of the teams are stacking up on multiple running backs. So it's not like you're going to be at such a huge disadvantage if you go receiver early and someone else goes, someone else goes running back because there's not even that many good running backs to come around. I mean, Brees Hall got pretty, he got tanked from Dalvin Cook. I mean, I just feel like you were able to skip the first two rounds of running back this year and take them in the third and the fourth and the fifth. And I didn't really feel like I'm getting screwed over by those guys who took running back in the second round. It just doesn't seem like that big of a jump, which so I could took advantage of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this is the first year that we've seen a wide receiver um, like a majority of the time go first overall, right? I think yeah. over the past five years, it's all been, I mean, running backs, right? I mean, it was yeah. Le'Veon Bell. Um, I think it was Eckler last year. It's been McCaffrey for a while. It's been Derrick Henry. Um, Jonathan Taylor was last year. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor. It's been a while since we've seen a receiver go first overall. So that's just showing like the thin margin in between running backs. Were there any players on, I'll ask the question to both of you, but did either of you have like a particular pick that, you know, you maybe took the player and you said, oh, like this is a great sleeper I got, or, you know, oh, I got great value. Like what were some picks that you guys had that you were particularly proud of this year in your drafts? For me, I was really happy with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I had my flex kind of set with Miles Sanders. So I could take a I could take um, a bit of a risk with a guy like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's obviously hurt with a broken hand right now, so he'll probably miss the first couple of games. But this guy's an absolute baller. Uh, I watched him at Ohio, and you know I'm an Ohio State fan, so obviously I'm going to support my Buckeyes. But I think I drafted him in every league this year, just because so so many people are afraid of that injury, and uh, I think G- this is an offense that's going to air it out a lot. I mean. They probably have maybe the best, uh, if not one of the best, uh, wide receiver rooms in the NFL with Tyler mm-hmm. Lockett, DK, JSN. They're going to be throwing it a lot. Um, so, you know, that crowded receiver room isn't going to worry me much, and I think JSN is going to be more of a wide receiver two than uh, a wide receiver three over Tyler Lockett. For me, it was James Conner in the sixth round. It's like every... It's like Connor's a very unsexy pick. No one is like, yeah, I love James Connor. You know what I mean? But he, I just feel like he always gets it done and he's always underrated. And for me to give him the sixth round and feel super confident that he's pretty much going to be my starter all year is pretty special. It's like every year I don't have James Connor. I'm watching Red Zone. It's like Connor for the fourth touchdown. I'm like, there's no way this is this is James Connor. It's like every week. My only issue is that the Cardinals are probably the 32nd out of 32nd team. Like they're probably the worst team in the league. So. There might be there might be a lot of negative game script, and I'm hoping that Connor can still be useful in the passing game, so he can stay in the game for those negative game script situations. But Connor is pretty much always a good fantasy running back, and he always falls in draft. So I was really hyped to have a solid RB two in the sixth round. Yeah, James Connor is definitely one of those guys who always seems to get in the end zone, even if he doesn't put up a ton of yards, he'll always at least get you six that week for a touchdown. So he's a very solid player. Uh, speaking of, you know, guys who I think are just going to be getting into the end zone a lot. My favorite pick was getting Zach Charbonnet in the 10th round. I think that he has a ton of upside. And even though he's in a committee with Kenneth Walker, I think that a lot of those goal line touches are going to go to Zach Charbonnet because he's a big guy and he has strong legs. And, you know, even without that, like he's a very fast player. He breaks out, you know, 40, 50 yard runs, you know, near weekly, especially in college. And so I think that's going to translate really well to the NFL. And I think he has a legitimate shot to be a solid RB2 or flex throughout this whole season. 
the upside is what really drew me to getting him, especially at the value of a 10th round pick. Yeah, my question is, what players did you guys try to target in all your drafts? You didn't necessarily have to get them, but you were looking to get them. You know what I mean? What players were you really hoping to come out of drafts with? Well, For me, you're sorry, go ahead, Cole. Oh, well, you guys knew that, you know, I loved Justin Fields and I've talked about him all offseason going into the draft. I was targeting him, but then there I was, I had both of, I had him and Joe Burrow on the board and, you know, I decided to play for my team strategy and get the stack with him and chase. And mm -hmm. so I ended up not getting Justin Fields, but he was still someone that in all my drafts this year, I was always making sure I was getting him. And funny enough in, you know, our biggest league, the one that we play in our main league, I decided not to take him and instead went for the stack with Burrow and Chase. Yeah, for me, um, Tony Pollard was a guy that I was really targeting and in, in yeah. all my drafts I kind of had late um late first round picks. So I knew he would be a guy that I could get. And, you know, he just has so much receiving and rushing upside. And, you know, watching him last year, even with Zeke back there, he was still the dominant running back and he you know, this is a guy who's going to put up a ton of points every single game. He's probably going to get like 40 receiving yards a game at least. And then another guy that I liked a lot was Trevor Lawrence. Last year, I took a guy in Joe Burrow who ended up being a like a top three court fantasy quarterback. And I think Trevor Lawrence has that potential as well. You know, some of the similarities are they both have really, really strong receivers. Um, you know, uh, Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase. Um, Tower Boyd and T Higgins. And then I think Trevor Lawrence is in a very similar situation with an even stronger tight end in uh, Evan Ingram. And then you have Calvin Ridley, who's looked great all preseason. Christian Kirk was really, really good last year. So they both have plenty of options to throw the ball to. And Trevor can rely uh, on his backfield with Travis Etienne, kind of like how Joe Burrow was able to last year with Joe Mixon. So these guys are just going to be throwing it loose. It's going to be a very open offense, very high scoring. Mm -hmm. so I really do think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a lot of upside this year and is going to finish at least in the top five. In, yeah, one in guy, QB rankings. Well, yeah, one guy I was I was targeting in mostly all my drafts, especially if I was in the late first round, is Cooper Cup. I mean, it was less than a month ago we were talking about him as the first overall pick in a lot of conversations. Like A lot of people thought it was very reasonable if you want to take him first overall. And I understand this this injury, but it, it doesn't seem like a significant injury. At worst case, he might miss a couple weeks, and I'm willing to take that if I'm getting Cooper Cup for 15 out of the 17 weeks of the season. Really, he's when he plays and he's healthy, he's, he's going to be likely the best receiver in fantasy or top three for sure. If I if I have to sit him for two weeks and I can get him in the second round or at the end of the first round, I think it's really worth it for me. Uh, I was the fourth overall in, in our main league, so I didn't feel like at that point it was worth it for me to go Cooper Cup. But if I was at the 12-13 snake, I would for sure try to take Cooper Cup right there. Another person I really like is is Rashad White. I mean, this this Buccaneers backfield last year, was it was one of the worst run, run games in the entire NFL. But the thing that's good about Rashad White is that he's going to get a lot of usage and he's really good in the passing game. So it doesn't matter if this run game is bad, if the offensive line is bad. He's going to get 15-plus carries and probably 7-plus targets a game, which is like a solid floor for a starting running back in fantasy. And then finally, I said Chigakonkwo. He was practically free in every draft, so if he busts and if he gets hurt, if he gets two points per game, I don't really care. I wasted a 14th-round pick on him. But if he goes big, then that's such a big upside, and he really does have the upside. I mean, last year he was first in air yards amongst tight ends, which means he had deeper passes than than Travis Kelsey did last year. 
Obviously, it's a smaller sample size, but he has the potential to be really big. And if he's not good, who cares? Yeah, no, that's definitely a good way to view taking those late round guys. They're just like, you know, you're taking a flyer on them. If they bust, then, you know, oh, well, you wasted your 14th round pick or whatever it was. It's, you know, the risk reward there is so low that it's completely worth it, I think. Yeah. What about some guys you guys were making sure not to draft? People on your on your list that you really did not want? Oh, I, I can start this off. One guy that I, like, no matter where I was in the draft, I was not going to be taking was Austin Eckler. And I know that's mm-hmm. a crazy take in this fantasy football season. Yeah. But I just, he's getting older, and I just, I feel like he's either due for an injury or a regression. And, you know, this Chargers offense, just there's so many other weapons in the passing game that, you know, especially with the addition of Quinn and Johnston, I can see, you know, Eckler starting to lose some of that receiving upside. I just, you know, especially when you're because he's going to be a guy you're taking top four, right? Just compared to the other guys in that sector, like obviously if I'm picking seventh and Eckler's available, fine, I'll take him, right? Like that's too good a value. But for those first four picks where he's, you know, going in every single draft, I just... I don't know that he's going to be worth it when you compare him to, you know, the rest of them like Jamar Chase and McCaffrey and, uh, you know, Jefferson, obviously. So I just he was someone who I was avoiding with a you know top four pick. Quinn, what about you? Yeah, for me, uh, it was the Buccaneers receivers, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I hate their situation right now. It's probably both of the last years with the Buccaneers and Baker's throwing them the ball. We haven't seen a single wide receiver be successful when Baker Mayfield is their QB one. And it's not like the QB two is better than Kyle Trask who has zero NFL experience. This team honestly is going to be in the, in competition with the Cardinals for Caleb Williams. And, you know, I could see them tanking if the first six games end up sucking this year. And I think they're going to shift to being a much more run heavy team with a lot of checkdowns to Rashad White. So, I mean, that's honestly really the only Buccaneers player I would draft is Rashad White, but the wide receivers I'd completely stay away from. Yeah, no, that's very reasonable. For me, it was Jonathan Taylor. I mean, yes, all this Jonathan Taylor drama, I feel like on TikTok and a lot of mainstream media right now, it's like, buy the dip. Jonathan Taylor's so low. Like, take a chance on him. You can get him in the fifth and sixth round. But even then, I'm, I'm, I think it's not worth it for me. I just... All these these announcements from the owner Jim Irsay and the and the GM and the media, it, it, I really it wouldn't surprise me if Taylor pulls Le'Veon Bell and doesn't play most of the season or all of this season. It it's really seems like there's a miscommunication with the organization, and he's at least at least going to miss four weeks, which is pretty important for fantasy. And past that, I'm I can't really trust him at this point, and I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair enough there. And funny enough, that kind of brings us into our. Next segment, which I'd like to kick off, which is waiver wire watch. Who are some guys that, you know, at the beginning of the season, you're going to be looking at, maybe you need a guy who, you know, maybe you already have an injury on your team, whatever it may be. Uh, Someone to look at is Deion Jackson, who's going to be the starter in Indianapolis for at minimum the first four games of the season, Mm -hmm. because Jonathan Taylor is guaranteed to be out. And what's funny is this guy's going to be a starting running back and he's only rostered in about a third of leagues. I just got him off waivers in my league. I saw him sitting there. I was like, oh, my God, like, why wasn't he taken? And, you know, he's a guy who even if, you know, he goes back to being a backup after the first four weeks, 
which I think is fairly unlikely. I think Jonathan Taylor's time with the Colts is pretty much done. But even then, you're getting a guy who's going to be a starter for four weeks, has the upside to be a starter throughout the season, so he can always be a reliable flex play or during bye weeks for your, for your running backs, you can plug him in. And he, to only be rostered in 30% of leagues is baffling to me. He's a guy who's going to have potential to be a great running back in fantasy this year. Deion Jackson, pick him up if he's available in your league. Pick him up. What about you, Quinn? Yeah, sticking with the running back theme, I'm going to say, you know, whoever takes the Miami Dolphins running back starting RB1 job, um, this may be a competition for the first couple of weeks, but I think it's really between Raheem Mostert and Devin O'Shane. Uh, I think a lot of people have been drafting uh, Devin O'Shane. Uh, I know I have in one of my leagues, but a lot of these guys are probably on waiver wire. Uh, and so, you know, be sure to watch the, the Dolphins game week one or week two just to kind of see who's, you know, taking a majority of the snaps for them because they could end up being a good flex play or, you know, they honestly just add really good depth to your team. So, I mean, that's that's my waiver wire pickup. Yes. Uh, sticking with the running backs, I have Gus Edwards. Ooh. In the past few years, we've seen when J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are both healthy, we've seen this be somewhat of a two-headed backfield. Edwards probably... 35% of the snaps while JK gets 65. So even when JK is healthy, Gus can be somewhat fantasy relevant. But especially when JK Dobbins is hurt, which happens a lot, it would not surprise me if J Dobbins gets hurt at some point. We could see Gus get a massive workload and be a solid RB2 for fantasy. The fact that he's only rostered in 20% of leagues, he could be relevant even in week one, but especially a few weeks in the season when hurt Dobbins probably gets hurt. Come on. So, yeah. uh, I do like Gus Edwards as someone you could pick up. No, yeah, that's, you know, definitely these backup running backs. We all said one like backup running backs who have legitimate cases to, you know, eventually take over as a starter or, you know, we think could have a larger role. Those are the guys you should be targeting on the waiver wire. You know, the only receiver that really comes to mind for me who I think is going to be on the waiver wire is a guy like Alan Lazard. And even him, like, I'm okay if you let him stay there because we don't know what his role is going to be in that Jets offense. We don't know what that Jets offense is going to be like, you know, at all, period. And so, I, you know, a guy like him, I'm fine if you let him stay on your waiver wire. But he's the only receiver that comes to mind. But it's really these running backs that are going to be the golden guys of the first week of the waiver wire. They're the guys you got to target, the guys that you got to stash on your bench. You just got to bite the bullet. I know it's hard. Just bite the bullet, stash them on your bench, and they can pay huge dividends down the road in the season yeah actually i do have one more uh, wide receiver i want to point out and it's jameson williams i mean nobody wants to pick him up right now because of the suspension everyone's kind of overlooking him but we can't forget that the lions drafted him 12th overall he's an athletic freak and they drafted him so highly they're gonna want to get him involved when he's back it wouldn't surprise me if he's actually fantasy relevant later in the season it's just he's just not going to play for the first how many weeks is he suspended i can't remember six six i mean Yes, it's really early to pick him up now, but I'm just saying keep him on, keep him in your head because it could be week 13 and he's averaging 15 points per game, and it wouldn't surprise me that much. He's super fast, great hands. I mean, he there was a reason it was a first round pick, and uh, if he gets back on the field and he's healthy and without all these suspensions, he's someone you could look out for. Yeah, definitely agree. Quinn, you got any more waiver wire guys? Um, not necessarily, but obviously. Guys to look out for. Um, I think Tajay Spears is a great handcuff. Uh, this is a team. This is a team who runs the ball a lot, and so if Derrick Henry goes down, 
Tajay is a guy who has a lot of talent. He's young. He, uh, you know, he's fresh, fresh out of Tulane. And he can uh, catch the ball, which Derrick can't. He, yep, and he has a lot more receiving upside than Derrick Henry does. So, you know, look out for Tajay if um, if Derrick Henry, you know, Derrick Henry, to be honest, he's a little older, so he's probably going to miss a game or two. So he's a good he's a good player to stash just in case you're like first two running backs or flexes. You know, they have a bye week or they go down or something like that. Oh, yeah, actually, um, I do have one you know, more player. Tajay. Yeah, yeah, I do have one more player that I'd like to bring up. And this is like a not pickup right now. It's just a person to have on your radar because it is possible, and it's Desmond Ritter for me. Mm. I mean, the offense has all the weapons to be elite. It has one of one of the most well-built uh, offense with weapons in the entire league. I mean, you have Drake London, Kyle Pitts, B. John Robinson. It's, it's a pretty stacked offense, and I'm not predicting it. We haven't seen much from Desmond yet, but if this offense actually does start firing on all cylinders and this, this Falcons team is better than people expect, I bet Desmond Ritter is going to be fantasy relevant. And also it helps that he can run the ball pretty well. So if he can actually get his receivers involved and be John in the passing game and they actually can start scoring points and winning games, which would, which would surprise me because Arthur Smith is a very passive coach. He likes to run the ball, call timeouts, all that stuff. But um, there is a possibility that Desmond is, is fantasy relevant. So keep him out there. Yeah, that's a good take. All right, shall we move on to our college football recap? We have We haven't done this in previous episodes, but... You know, the boys have been watching a lot of college football. Oh, yeah. It's time we talk about it on this channel more. Give it its respect. It is CFB recap. Quinn, what was your game of the week this week? Quinn, take it away, College King. Take it away. <laughs> uh, definitely the game of the week. I think it had to be FSU, LSU. I mean, what a comeback by Florida State. What an absolute statement they made. Um, clearly dominant. Clearly going to be a dominant force in the ACC this year. Uh, French, uh I can't say his name. Uh, Jordan, Jordan <laughs> he looked, Travis. He looked dominant against Jordan Travis. Oh my God, uh, he looked great against uh, against LSU, and you know really showed the SEC SEC uh, who's boss. Uh, the SEC struggled this week, and that was a really impressive win by FSU to double up LSU. Oh yeah, um, I'll I'll point out Colorado. I mean, they looked great. They beat a. Uh, they beat a defending a team that just went to the championship game and played against Georgia. So that's like a legit team, 17th ranked. Yes, they lost a lot of players, but it's still a very solid TCU team. But I'm not going to buy all the hype right now. I mean, the hype is insane. I want to see him play a few more weeks and win against Nebraska. Nebraska is not a great team, but the, you know Matt Rule's a good coach. And I want to see him after like week four, if they're this solid, I'll buy the hype. But I'm not going all in on Boulder right now, but they did look great, and that was an amazing game against TCU. So props to Shador, who looked great. Travis Hunter is insane. They're both like top yeah. five in Heisman in Heisman votes right now. I um, mean, like Heisman betting. So I thought that was interesting, and uh, who knows? But that was an awesome game. Yeah, uh, I'd like to highlight two games I think flew really under the radar just because of you know all the big ranked teams playing. But you know, a game that was incredibly close was Nebraska versus Minnesota. I mean, it was a classic Big Ten West game. I mean, it was 3-0 at halftime. And then in the final two minutes, Minnesota comes back, makes the catch of the century. I mean, this guy dragged his toe like barely in the back of the end zone, tied it up. Then an interception to set up the game-winning 46-yard field goal. It was an amazing game. I was losing my mind watching it. A great game by Minnesota. Uh, and, you know, a tough start for Nebraska. Like, Matt Rule, this was his chance to really make a – statement victory to start off his career not ideal for him and so 
while I think it's definitely a tough turnaround project there in Nebraska, you would have liked to have seen him be able to close out a close game like this. And it was disappointing to see that. But in terms of, you know, for Minnesota, I mean, PJ Fleck, what a game he coached there. That I was super impressed. And then another game I'd really like to point out way under the radar, a Mac versus big 10 game Toledo versus Illinois. I mean, what a game it was 30 to 28 final score Toledo coming off a Mac championship. Great game. I I really liked watching it and, you know, discount the Mac all you want. They were the, you know, incumbent champions going against the big 10 team. It was a great game and, you know, diss it all you want. If you're not a Mac fan, but I love me some action. And that was some action in its purest form. Vic, what else you got? That's where this guy went. <laughs> uh, do you want to move on to over and under performers? Uh, um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'll point out a couple For more the... things. I, oh, yeah. I guess this, this is kind of the same section. We can talk about those over and under performers also right now. I just yeah. want to point out Oregon State and DJU. I mean, DJU Angelele looked looked great. I mean, all the, all the trash he got last year at Clemson getting benched. I, it makes me think more that it was coaching at Clemson than DJU's actual abilities. And I think he's a sneaky Heisman candidate. It's only been one week, but he looked really, really good. And um, he's the type of guy who, you know, he runs well, passes really deep. And this kind of guy has flashy plays. And uh, he's a, he's a sneaky Heisman candidate. And Oregon State is going to be a very underrated team. Yeah, I actually had that written down as well. DJ looked great. 240 yards and three touchdowns. I think we definitely did not see at Clemson, and especially with Clemson's performance with Kate Club Nick this. Uh, Club bid Duke <laughs> with uh with Club Neck against Duke. I definitely think it could have been a coaching issue because DJ looked like extremely bad at Clemson, and you know he looked much more open and free in that Oregon State offense. Wait, yeah, wait. and while while I like your guys' takes on that, one thing I just think I should point out is that he was not pressured at all during that game. I mean. I don't know if you guys watched the game, but he just was able to sit back there in the pocket against Pac-12 defenses and against, you know, higher level defenses. He's not going to have that time. San Jose State is already not a great team. And I mean, so he just got to sit back there. He was able to make easy throws. And even then he was under throwing a lot of them. The receivers had to come back. He had one pass. It was a touchdown had he not underthrown his receiver and he had to go back for it. And so, yes, he had a good game, five total touchdowns. No one's ever going to say that's a bad game. But, you know, when you look at the game and especially consider who he was playing, it I I was not impressed by his performance. And I was a little underwhelmed, to be honest. Uh, one thing I well, will my say, thing there is. Oh, yeah, no, quick, it, go ahead, quick, go ahead. In, it, well, in the ACC, I think there's like two or three good teams. I mean, obviously, F- FSU is good this year. And then there's Clemson. Um, but then, you know, after that, the whole ACC just kind of completely falls off. Yeah, like, where, where's like the Georgia Duke Tech. respect? Where's the Duke yeah, respect? Boy, where's the Duke? Well, respect? I'm just where's saying the, in the past. The I'm just saying in the ACC past, right? So DJ, so DJ has been able to like sit back there. He he has had all the time in the world for the past two or three years that he's been at Clemson. I haven't seen him look that that comfortable in a while. I haven't seen him look that free. He was throwing the ball down field. I, I mean, I watched him at Clemson where he'd have seven seconds to, to throw the ball just standing there in the pocket just to throw a three-yard check down. Yeah. He was throwing I, balls deep I, down the field. It was good to see. I really hope he's able to succeed at Oregon State. I just, you know, it wasn't a convi- it wasn't like he was getting the ball off in three seconds, boom, hits the receiver in stride. 
it was kind of sit back there and then make a, you know, yeah, he completed the pass, but it wasn't like a, you know, perfect pass. He the receivers were all over the place. I just, yeah. I mean, he's all right. He's, he's no Riley Leonard, but he's all, he's all right. You know, Blake's a big Duke fan for those. Um, of and the last thing I'll say that I think is just funny is that, I mean, you got Quinn and both you guys can, can push in on this. It's just like, uh, Garrett Riley, Clemson offensive coordinator. Like I swear he's just, Good. Like he's just he just has that job because his brother's Lincoln Riley. He's not good at all. Like the plays we're calling were so washed, bro. For that Clemson team, like to be pre-stacked and get absolutely pounded on by unranked Duke, like they couldn't start anything with their offense. I think Garrett Riley is such a fraud, to be honest. Yeah, it, it was a tough game. It was a tough watch, to be honest. I mean, it was like you know, it was funny because you know Clemson in the second half of the game didn't score. They didn't score at all. They also never punted throughout it. It was always fumbles, interceptions, That's losing it on downs. There was a missed field goal in there, but they never punted, which I thought was really weird. And so, yeah, that offense is there's just something wrong there. So I, I like your take there, Blake. And Duke looked great. Like we'll give them credit. It's not all just Clemson being shitty. It's that you know Duke really did have a good game. We gotta give them credit. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, guys, want to move on to the to the record predictions for Week One. Go over all the teams. Sure. Yeah, I'll I'll read out all the all the games. You guys tell me what you think, and I'll, I'll pitch in for myself too. All right, Thursday night football, Lions Chiefs, opening day, big matchup. What do you guys have? Chiefs. I think the Lions come out strong, but then ultimately, as the game goes on, just can't hold on and lose to the Chiefs. I will agree. I think it's the Chiefs. I, I love the Lions, but I think they're getting a little too overhyped. They're good, but everyone's like, "Yep, Lions." One of the best teams in the league. They're gonna get humbled, I think. I, they're gonna get humbled. Yeah, and also, okay. also the Chiefs are just—they're always good. So. Chiefs, okay. The Chiefs. AFC North matchup: Bengals, Browns. What do you guys have? The Bengals. This depends for me on whether Joe Burrow plays or not. He's gonna play. He's gonna play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But gonna uh, I'm gonna—I'm gonna, gonna go with my—I'm gonna go with my Browns. Deshaun's gonna throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns. Two of them to Amari Cooper. One to okay, it's going to be great. Yep. Like, and one to time, the, maybe. and five to the Bengals defense. Okay, next one. Texans, Ravens. 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 Ravens, I will agree. Oh, yeah, and the last one I forgot to say. Yeah, I, I, I'll say Bengals as well. Okay, Bucks, Vikings. 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 Give me the upset alert. Give me the Bucks, bro. Vikings are washed every year. Upset alert! Holy <laughs> Panthers, Falcons. You know I've been is, pushing that. Is, that is, Tom, is, Tom, is Tom Brady coming back? Or maybe you see that ad? <laughs> I don't know. You guys know I've been pushing that Vikings are trash narrative for like years now. So I got to <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the Buccaneers are worse. Just wait, bro. Just wait. The Buccaneers are bad, Blake. The Buccaneers are very, very bad. Okay, Panthers versus Falcons. I'm gonna Can go Panthers. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, give me the Panthers. I think Bryce Young comes out with a good game. Yep. You know, I, I got to see this Falcons team before I believe it. Give me the Falcons in the classic Arthur Smith fashion, three to seven game or something like that. It's gonna be the lowest scoring damn game and the most boring game of all time. Okay. I'll say the Falcons though. Yeah. Cardinals, Commanders. Give me the Commies. Yeah, I'll take. Uh, I'll take Commanders. I'll take Commanders to blow them out straight up. Okay. Jags, Colts. Jags. Jags for sure. Yeah, the Jags. Trevor's gonna throw for three thirty. Yeah, there we go. Now. 
There we go. Oh, 49ers, Steelers. Give me the Steelers in this one. I, I like this Steelers team. I think they're going to win it. I just have a good feeling. The Mike Tomlin, the Mike Tomlin clutch. He never, he never has a losing season, so who knows? Never bet against Mike Tomlin. It's just never statistically what? the worst thing you can do. <laughs> this this game's going to be closer than people think, but the Niners are going to win. I say, uh, I'll say Niners as well. All right, Titans Saints. Saints. Ooh. Their car is going to start off his career in New Orleans <laughs> with a dub. Yeah, give me the Saints in this one. Sorry, Blake. <laughs> Underdogs. Titans clear. Titans twenty seven seventeen. <laughs> Raiders Broncos. Uh give me the Broncos. Give me give me Sean Payton taking his first W. Same. I'm I'm gonna go Broncos. Russell Wilson's gonna throw. He's not gonna be great, but he'll throw for like 245 yards, no interceptions, maybe a touchdown. Oh, there'll be definitely um, be an interception or two in there. It's Russell mm, Wilson. I don't know. I think he's gonna keep the ball safe. I think he'll Yeah. Yeah, I actually agree. I think the Broncos are gonna be uh a sneakily mediocre team this year. They're gonna they're gonna be able to compete. So, how about Eagles Patriots? Eagles. These are the kind of games that the Patriots win, bro. I'm serious. <laughs> no way. Eagles are gonna win. Yeah, I'll say Eagles, but I'm just these are the Eagles kind of are games. coming out hungry. They're pissed off after last season. They want it, bro. Juju is their Patriots receiver one. They no. Okay, Rams Seahawks. Give me the Hawks. I'm gonna go Seahawks too. Gino's gonna ball. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say Seahawks. Some some parts of me want to see the Rams there, but okay. Dolphins, Chargers. Oh, Tua Herbert. Mm. You know, give me. Wait, where is the game being played in? Dolphins at Chargers. Chargers. Yeah. Oh, then give me the Chargers. I'll take the I Chargers. Say we go. I say we go. That's what I say. I'm down. But yeah, if um, that game was in Miami, I would say I'd take Miami because it's in LA. I'll take LA. Yeah, I'm gonna say the Chargers. I think, you know, I think the Dolphins are maybe a little bit overhyped, and I think the Chargers are a bit more have a, a bit more of a complete offense. So I think the Chargers are. It's gonna be a high scoring game. It's gonna be like it would probably be like 35 or 38 to you know like 20. Dude, give me the give me the Dolphins. I think it's gonna be close, but that Dolphins offense is gonna be too explosive. The Chargers to hold back. Okay, how about Packers Bears? Oh, I'm gonna go with the Bears here. Justin I'm, Fields makes a statement to open this this 2023 season. Yeah, I I mean, DJ Moore like, goes for 115 think, yards. I think Jordan Love is not getting the respect he deserves. I'm excited to see what he can do. Give me the Packers in this game. I'm sick of the Bears getting hyped that they're actually gonna be like an all right team. They're still gonna be bad. I'm gonna say it. Packers are better. They're gonna win. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cowboys Giants. Now, this is the game that I actually think is tough. Uh, Dude, I think Dak sucks, but yeah, I agree. I think the Cowboys are going to win just because Daniel Jones is terrible. But Dimes went to Duke. <laughs> <laughs> but Danny Dimes can't throw for more than 200 yards in a game. Dak can't throw for more than three interceptions, less than three interceptions. Yeah, give yeah, me but the... yeah, but he'll throw for 350 yards. Give me the, the boys in this one. The Cowboys are winning this one. Nothing. Give me the, give me the Giants, bro. Uh, Dable, Dable is a tough team, you know. Okay, Bills, Jets, Monday Night Football, big matchup. Bills at Jets. Jets. I, I, I had them earlier in an, in an earlier podcast. I said Jets are winning this one. Jets are gonna win this one. Aaron Rodgers era starts off strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go Jets as well. I think, I think Rodgers starts out strong. I think he balls out, throws for a minimum of 280 yards. Garrett Wilson 
It's like it's in a tutty. Jets win. I, I think Jets are going to win, and it's going to be not even that close. It's going to shock the Bills, and people are going to realize the Bills are a little overrated these days. That's it. That's all the games. All right. Awesome. This is a great episode. Um, hopefully, we're going to get this thing posted soon. Yes, and Quinn. Quinn. and um, and we're gonna we're gonna try to post more often because it's 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 season now, and uh, this is fun. Yeah. All right. Awesome. See you guys. Bye from Blake, Quinn, and Cole. See you guys. Adios.